Sunday. Does anyone know what parable we're talking about? I mean, Max, Max knows. All right, Max, shout it out. The sower. The sower. Woo! Woo! All right, all right. So the parable of the sower from Matthew 13, it says that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him. You guys are our great crowds. So that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, but you guys can remain seated. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and birds came and devoured them. So some of you might be visual learners. Can you just make me a little path with your, with your forearm and, like, trot on it? Take a little trot. Look at that path. Now, give me some. Great, great. So, as he was sowing, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured the seeds. Great, we've got the path. Other seeds, other seeds, other seeds? Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up since there was not any depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. So like, flex for me, be, be rocky ground, be tough, be hard. Great, we've got rocky ground. Now pretend the sun has risen and you're blinded, look straight into the light. And you don't have any roots and so you wither away. Very sad. Other seeds, so we've got, what do we have? Path. We've got the path. We've got the rocky ground. Other seeds fell among thorns. Give me some, give me some, some thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked the seeds. All right. And other seeds fell on good soil. Just give me a nice deep bowl, a nice good bowl of earth. And it produced grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. And a quick note, because that seems unimpressive, right? This diminishing harvest, we started with a hundredfold, moved to 60, and then to 30. Even 30-fold is still two to three times what any farmer would ever hope or expect to see in his crop, all right? A typical, a typical yield would have been tenfold, fold So even the smallest amount that this good soil produces is an incredible harvest um, to what the people in Jesus' day would have been looking for. And Jesus concludes this story saying, he who has ears, let him hear. And so, this is a crazy story to me. And uh, I feel like maybe it's like a typical youth pastor thing to be like, isn't this nuts? What's nuts about it is actually not the story Jesus tells, but the story of Jesus telling the story, right? It says that great crowds gathered to listen to Jesus tell a story about seeds that fell on essentially a road and didn't produce any crop. Like that's, is that a surprising outcome to anyone? No, like when I think about great crowds, I think about, I've got a clip from a concert I was able to attend with Nick and his family. Check this out, this is a great crowd. Look at that. Look at that sea. 
Yeah, yeah. Give me a, yeah. Can you imagine that now? Show me that. Show me that screenshot. Look at that great crowd. That's a great crowd. But it makes sense. They're there to see Elton John. But like Jesus didn't push out into this boat and start going, she's got electric boots, a mohair suit. You know I read it in a magazine. Oh, let me hear you see a Galilee. Benny and the Jets. No, no, no. He got on a boat and told a story about seeds that fell on a road and didn't produce a crop. About seeds that fell on shallow ground, rocky ground, didn't produce any crops. About seeds that fell among thorns, didn't produce any crops. So what is happening in this story? Is the sower incompetent or careless? He doesn't know the best farming practices. Does he just not care? Well, if you are confused as I am, the good news is that his disciples were confused too, and he explains the parable. And what he says is that the seed is the word of God and the soils are representative of our hearts. So we're gonna take a look at the soils. I'm sure that's maybe not a surprise to many of you. You're familiar with the story, but beyond comprehension, I really want us to be able to apply what these soils mean in our lives. So let's look at the path. And I believe we have a slide. There's the path. There's the path. Jesus says the path is like one who hears the word and does not understand it. And the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. So Satan wants to blind us from God's truth. That shouldn't be too surprising. Does anyone know what happened in the Garden of Eden? Yes, what led Eve to, right? And does anyone know what the evil one said to Eve? Is that what God really said? Hey, hey, psst, Eve. Did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? And that's, that's not what God said, but you see this attempt to change God's word, to challenge God's word, to discredit God, to cause us to distrust him. And that is always his goal, the goal of the enemy. Paul warns us against this, or warned the church in his letter in 2 Corinthians. He wrote, I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And Peter warns us, excuse me, in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Excuse me. I had most today. It, it got the better of me. So that be watchful, did I bold that for us? Be watchful. Yes, be watchful. I think that's a really important thing. Will you make the path for me again? Take a little trot. Yeah, that's a good path. So what happens on a path? People walk on it, right? So if, if, if our hearts are treated like paths, I wonder what footsteps we have that are constantly walking on it. What footsteps in our lives are repeatedly walking and leaving behind lies that are hardening our hearts? That's what happens to the ground. It gets hard, and then the seed can't actually enter it. So this is, I'm, I am now planting a seed for you to talk about later in small groups, but what have you been told or what have you told yourself time and time again that is actually not true? It's not found in God's word anywhere, and it's making your heart hard and difficult for you to receive God's truth. 
I am a few years removed from your age, so this may be a, a poor shot in the dark. But when I was in school, I know that school itself mattered. I'm from Northern Virginia, and there was a school that was uh, better than my school. If you went there, you were better. If you went where I went, you were worse. Maybe it's true of colleges, and you've reinforced in your mind that going somewhere makes you better or worse than going somewhere else. And suddenly we're defined not by God, but by our alma mater or with any extracurricular activity. This, this sport, this team, learning this language, playing this instrument, being a part of this program makes me better than those around me or not participating makes me worse. And suddenly again, we're defined by what we do and not what God has done for us. Maybe it's not what we do, but who we are. You have been told or told yourself time and time again, I am not worthy of being loved. I am not worthy of being forgiven. I'm not worthy of being accepted. And again, those are lies that when we let them walk on our hearts, it, it does, it stamps it down. You might be young and think you've, you've got such a strong heart. You will get older and that heart will take some, some hikers, some, some trotters. That is the path. Let's look at the rocky ground. Jesus says, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. I've got the the actual quote here on the slide. I abbreviated in my notes. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So we've got this great emotional response to Jesus to the gospel. Has anyone been on a mission trip? Ski trip. Uh, One life famine. Uh... Been really excited about Jesus because the gospel was made very clear that you are, you are kind of beyond the reach of love, and yet the reach of Jesus is so much greater, and he loves you so much. You've heard that message and been like, Jesus, how, how did you? How could you? Great. And then what happened? You, you boarded that plane if you were on a mission trip overseas, or you packed up that bus from the ski trip, or you got into your car from that one-life famine, and a week later you were right back where you were before that trip, before that experience. I've been there, the, the affirmative nod. I think most of us can say, yeah, yeah, that, it didn't last. I, I said, this is it. And then a week later, I thought, that was not it. So something faded. Maybe in that moment, you realized or accepted that God exists, but that you weren't gonna follow him. You were a believer. What is my note there? We don't move from believing to following. You're like, God, I know you're there. I'm convinced, but I'm definitely not. I'm not submitted. Um, but Jesus says in Matthew 16, 24 and 25, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And so that is the rocky ground moving beyond just this belief, but having this, these roots that are able to endure the sun, the sun when it scorches, and we are tempted to wither away. Let's look at the thorns. And again, my abbreviated notes will not suffice. This is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. <clears throat> So I, I had never noticed, I've given this talk a few times before, I never noticed the progression of the seed. So notice on the, on the path, the path is too hard, too tough, and the seed never actually gets below the surface. 
And then the rocks, it gets, it gets a little better. It kind of sprouts up very quickly, but it doesn't get down deep enough. And here among the thorns, it is deep enough to root, but it gets choked out before it can actually prove fruitful, before it can mature and bear fruit. So as we look at the thorns, maybe the gospel has taken root in your heart, but it hasn't taken all of your heart. That your faith in Jesus is definitely a part of you, but it's only a part. Your heart is crowded or divided. It's trying to support something else beside your faith in Christ. Um, oh, Max, can I share what you said? Great. Max was a phenomenal help in me preparing this talk. And he said, he kind of described it as like, how would you describe or introduce yourself to someone? So there was a time in Max's life where he would say, I'm Max, I'm a Christian and a Division I swimmer. And it was important that that other label was beside his identity in Christ. There was something else that was competing, interfering, choking his faith if he continued to pursue a life that was marked by his success in the water. So I was speaking with Casey. I'm Tommy, I'm a Christian and... I really hope you guys think I'm like super smart because I don't want to be dumb, right? <laughs> like, and there's something else competing with, gosh, there's always this guard up between what am I going to say and how am I going to say it and how will it be heard? How will it be received? What will people think of me? Instead of, wow, Jesus actually says that he will supply the words uh, in our hour of need and he'll speak through us. And it's his job to then open your ears to hear that truth or, of course, to challenge me on it, and that's why we're in a community. So there's something else that's competing, and I'm up here not relying fully on Christ, but maybe in my own ability to connect dots or whatever it may be. So what is competing, interfering, threatening uh, your faith or your life in Jesus? Those are the thorns. And finally, there's the good soil, and I hope this slide remains blank. Oh, yes. Because before we get to the good soil— this was a huge lesson for me in meditating on this parable. I think it's really important that we understand no matter the condition of our soil, we are just soil. Pay attention to what Jesus says about the good soil. And now we can go to that next slide. Jesus says the good soil is the one who hears the word and understands it. So good soil by itself is still just a, a pile of decaying matter. Maybe there are some worms in it, but the soil didn't, didn't create those. Like there's nothing, soil doesn't just sit there and go like, grain, like let me, like, corn, like, you know, like it, can't, it can't produce life. So as much as the soil needs seed, our hearts need God's word. Our hearts cannot just manufacture like, I'm alive. Like, like we need God's word in our hearts. So the point isn't, the point isn't just to be good soil, to be able to say that we are good or that we have good soil for our hearts. It's to be able to say that God is good and we have his word in our hearts. So, and my notes got really redundant here because I wanted to stress that point. I think we really jump to the type of soil we should be rather than understanding that we are soil. So God doesn't just want us to be good. He wants us to be fruitful, to be alive in him, to have his word in us, and to be sharing that word with those around us. And so this is where this very small story, again, very simple story, this parable. Sower, sowing, some seeds fall here. Of course, it doesn't work. Some seeds fall here. It doesn't work. Some seeds fall here. It doesn't work. Some seeds work in good soil, and it's, and it's miraculous. 
So let's understand, let's go back now to the sower and the seed, if we've understood the soils. So God is the great sower. And the seed, which we know is the word of God, is Jesus. Jesus is the living word of God. In John 1, 14, it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And where I thought earlier that the sower must be incompetent or careless, God is actually incredibly loving and gracious. He makes that seed, the word of God, Jesus, available to all the world. Like how many of us are familiar with John 3.16? Oh man, such confident hands. Say it for me. Boom. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It didn't say for God so loved those who were ready to receive him. For God so loved those who were smart enough, who were bold enough, for those who were pure in heart, for those who were already like pretty much there, right? If God only sent Jesus for those whose hearts were already pure, there is no way I'm hearing about Jesus. There's no way that he came for me if he only came for those, excuse me again, most... There is no way he's coming for me because my heart has been hard. I've had that spiritual high and that rocky ground that didn't have roots at times. And I've had a thorny heart that was crowded and divided and God didn't have my full attention. But this is the gospel. And this is why that simple story becomes so much bigger is that the seed does fall on each of those soils, right? Like he came for me and he came for you no matter the current condition of your heart. So the question isn't, is Jesus available or did he come for me? It's, will you receive him? He wants the whole world to receive his word, not just the Jews, but all the Gentiles, all the nations. And Jesus, who lived this perfect life that we couldn't live, remember, we have all sinned. So again, apart from God, really, I was trying to figure out if, if we can ever be good soil. And that's a question I want to ask a pastor later. Like if, if when Jesus told this parable, if there really were people that had hearts of good soil. Because Psalm 53 says, God looks down from heaven on the sons of man and decides that there are none good, no one who is good, but they are all corrupt. And so none of us are good soil apart from Christ because we've all sinned, we're born in sin and the wages of sin is death. But Jesus, who lived a perfect life in submission to the Father, he died on our behalf and like a seed was buried underground and rose again to new life that we might have life in him. So if your heart is hard, if it's shallow, if it's crowded, my encouragement to you is this. I will let Paul be our encouragement. I am sure of this, he writes. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion all the day of Jesus Christ. I don't know which translation sings faithful, but I grew up singing a song. He who began a good work in you. He who began a good work in you. Will be faithful to complete it. Will be faithful to complete it. He who started the work will be faithful to complete it in you. So, he who 
God is faithful. Like our hope isn't in our ability to just to be good soil by ourselves or to like force life out of our hearts. It's in God, the great sower, who's gonna actually till and plow our hearts that when we pray, when we submit to him, when we hunger for his word, when we live in community, that he's gonna soften our hearts, that he's gonna dig up those rocks and he's gonna remove those thorns so that his word can be planted down deep in us. So trying to remember, really, closing is always so tough, and I have a tendency to just ramble on. Let me see this slide. I think it had some good notes. Some great notes. Pray and watch. So in small groups, I know that there are some questions, but even throughout the week, I hope we can pray and watch. Pray that God would guard your heart, that he would dig up the rocks, that he would remove the thorns, and watch. Watch those trotters. What are those lies that you're being told or telling yourself that will repeatedly try to walk on and harden your heart and be honest and hungry. Tell your community about your struggles. Tonight in small group, be honest. Look at your life and ask if you're seeing the fruit of the spirit. Like be, my, my life is not marked by these every single day. I would not describe myself as loving and joyful and peaceful and gentle and kind and good and faithful and self-controlled every moment of every day. So ask yourself, does my life marked by the fruit of the Spirit, marked by God's word, rooted in my heart, and hunger for God's word. For God desires that we are more than good soil, but bearers of his spirit and word and truth. So finally, my last, uh, my last two points. For those who have received Christ, whose identity is in him, I have a challenge and a warning. The challenge is we should be sowing like the sower in the parable does. It should just be, should be falling out of our pockets on, on everyone we come into contact with. We can't decide. I can't look at anyone in this, in this room. I can't look at anyone under this tent and decide, hmm, that heart is shallow. I'm, I didn't need to make such direct eye contact. That was very intense. Uh, <laughs> look right at CH and say, man, that heart is too thorny. I should stick to people I know. Brady, oh man, that heart is like just way too crowded and divided. Like I can't, we can't do that by ourselves. That is the Spirit's work, right? So we should be very generous and loving as God was with us. And just everywhere we go, there should be these seeds of, these, of this fruit, Here's a seed of love. Here's a seed of peace. Here's a seed of joy. Here's a seed of gentleness. And I really hope that the gospel takes root in your life in the same way that it's taken root in mine. So we should be sowers with endless amounts of seeds because we do. We have an infinite supply of, of Christ's riches and mercy and love in our life. My warning is this. We should be sowing, but we are always walking. So even if we're not sowing, we are moving about this life and about this world, coming into contact with people, and we can either be leaving behind those seeds or we're leaving behind our footsteps that might be trampling down someone else's heart. So anyone we come into contact with, there's this opportunity to share the gospel or maybe, maybe unintentionally, maybe worse sometimes intentionally, we're actually um, furthering lies that people are believing about themselves. So we should be sowing, but regardless, we are always walking. So let's be on guard to make sure that we aren't the ones making it difficult for others to receive God's word. And that's all I've got, guys. That is the parable of the sower. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I would love to pray for us. 
before we go into small groups, <clears throat> Heavenly Father, um, I know that I and many others enjoyed singing with Elton John that night in D.C., but I know that many, many, many more will forever sing the name of Jesus. It is a greater song. It is an eternal song. It is one of unconditional love, of one that met us in our need despite the conditions of our heart, our hearts that were very, very far from ready to receive you, but you came for hearts that rejected you, betrayed you, and ultimately killed you. Still by your great power and love, you rose from the dead and offer eternal life to all those who put their faith in you. Please move us tonight from just those believers who think you're there and you're good and that's great and whatever, and move it into following you, that you are good and great and there and with me. Your spirit is in me, and I can be sowing seeds of the gospel with everyone I come into contact with. We know that you offer life and life to the full. And so when we are, when our hearts are hard or rocky or thorny, it's, it's a difficult place. That we don't, hard hearts are un, uncomfortable hearts, thorny hearts are uncomfortable. And we constantly feel this pull to something besides you. And we know again that anything aside from you leads to death. Please make that deceit clear to us so that we don't fall victim to it. Please do guard us from the schemes and cunning of the evil one who want to remove your word from us. Please cause us to follow you and to hunger for your word. To be honest, when we don't have the appetite and to lean on community to encourage us to keep seeking the bread of life. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. As he sowed, some seeds fell on the path In the birds' game Birds snatched and flowered the seeds there below Other seeds fell on rocky ground And there was no depth of soil Oh, it took a while The harvest